beginning. Yeah, he died to save us. He died to, to set us free from sin. But there's something now that he purchased for us that I, I think if we were to lay hold of it, our revelation of who he is, and even as we gather together as his people, a different, we'd go to different places as we, and I believe we will, as we get this revelation together as a community of what he purchased for us on the cross, not just to be saved from hell and not just to be set free from sin, which is a huge thing, right? We're t- when we're singing that song, chains of sin can't hold me down. I mean, I can hardly sing that without shouting like, because that the power of that, guys, think of sin in our lives before we knew God. But even now, it can't hold us anymore. They, those chains are broken, like Christy and Kale was, were saying. Those chains are broken already at the cross. They were broken. We do not have to live in that way anymore. Even in the garden, remember, perfection in the garden, perfect relationship with God, no sin, they sinned. God put them outside the garden. Yes, in one place it was a consequence to their sin that put them outside the garden. But you know why else he put them outside the garden? To redeem us. Because if we stayed in the garden, We could have eaten from what? The tree of life and lived forever in our sin. Do you get that? That consequence in the beginning was not just solely a punishment for sin, though some of it was consequence for sin. What it really was was God's infinite love and eternal plan being enacted. He's like, yeah, you messed up. Now I'm going to put you outside the garden so that you won't be able to live forever in your sin. And now my eternal plan has begun. My son, the Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth. God had a plan in mind. He put us outside the garden and said, don't worry. I've got this. You messed up big time but I've got this. I am going to redeem you. And all of that time was spent waiting for this redemption. And it came, it was fulfilled in Jesus. And what did he redeem us for? He redeemed us out of the captivity of sin. He broke those chains, but he redeemed us back into right relationship with God, just as it was in the garden. That's what he was bringing us back to, the fullness of relationship with him with the veil being torn. Guys, how wonderful. Think When we think about the garden, perfection, perfect relationship with God, no sin. That's what he came to buy back. Amazing, so that we could live in the fullness of that relationship with God and freedom. In Romans 5, this is where it says it, guys. Starting in verse 9, it says, or let's say in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
We did nothing to deserve it, right? While we were sinners, he died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Reconciliation, that's restored relationship, like in the garden. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So reconciliation, restored relationship with God, and saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man, right, Adam, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all man, all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of who him who was to come. Adam was point, it was a foreshadow of what was to come. Through one man, sin entered into the world, right? And through one man's, through one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world. And through one man's obedience, sin was canceled. Its power was broken for all time. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment came from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift came from transgressions, many sins resulting in justification. I know this gets wordy. We're getting to a good part. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Okay. <laughs> in this life, guys not just in that life, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as though one transgression, there resulted condemnation for all men, even so, one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. He paid it all. He paid the price fully that we could reign in this life. Guys, it wasn't like, oh, I'm saved now and I just can't wait to get to heaven until this life of sin and, oh, heaviness and so much to war against all the time. I just can't wait to get to heaven. No. I mean, we can't wait, but no. We get to reign in this life. Because of the price that he paid, we get to reign over sin, living victoriously. 
Addiction has no place in our lives anymore. Depression has no place. Guys, even sickness has no place in our lives anymore. That's the power of the cross. And if we truly believed what his cross purchased for us fully, I think we'd be a lot more joyful. Because right now, if we're thinking like, oh, he just paid the price for me to go to heaven. Yeah, that's why we're like, woohoo. Oh, this is great. Like, two songs is enough. <laughs> right? But if we get the revelation that he paid the price for us to live in fullness now, to rule and reign with him in the earth now, completely free from sin, anxiety, depression, we don't have to live anymore in those things. Sickness, we get to break agreement with those things in the earth and say no more. Christ paid the price for, the, the, for sins and the fruit of sin in the earth. That's what we get to live. So then when we rejoice about his resurrection power, it means more than just when I die, I go to heaven. It means right now in this life, I am ruling and reigning with him from heavenly places. And I get to partner with him for the outpouring of his spirit in the earth. And I don't have to bow to depression. I don't have to bow to anxiety. I don't have to bow to addiction. I don't have to bow to sickness. Because he paid a price. That's what he purchased for us. That's what he broke. I was sharing at BHA briefly on Thursday how there I got a sickness when I was living in Haiti that left me in a wheelchair, and I could not move from my shoulders down in excruciating pain. And the doctor said I would never walk again. I went to many doctors. The sickness, the disease was in my blood. It had spread throughout my whole bloodstream, and I was bedridden for nine months. I had to have people feed me, carry me to the bathroom, and I was in tears every day because of the pain. It Literally, the name of the disease means to be contorted with pain. It felt like my bones were being broken every time I moved them. And there was no medicine that could touch it. They, have, they still have not figured a, a cure or a vaccine for this disease because it's so unknown. They don't understand it. So I was receiving these things from doctors saying I would never get up again. I'd be, I need to settle. I need to get used to being in a wheelchair. I need to get used to this way of life. And, you know, at first I believed God to heal me, and then after the months went on and on, I went into depression. I thought I gave up hope, basically. I gave up hope. I gave up believing because it was so hard to believe. What I did was I began to agree with my sickness. I came into agreement with it. I said, you know what? The doctors are saying this. It's probably true. I need to just, you know, I just got to get ready. I got to just, what do I got to do? I got to prepare mentally for, I don't know. I don't know what I can do. But there came a moment in my life. I lived like that for maybe two to three months. And then on August 1st, 2015, I had a moment in the Holy Spirit where he said to me, Wesley, do you believe that I am Jehovah Rapha, God your healer? And I thought, 
well, if I'm being honest, I mean, I could say yes with my mind and my lips, but my heart is saying no, because I don't believe that. I've made agreement with my sickness. I've made agreement with my situation. So I said, no, I don't. And he, there was an invitation for me in that moment to start to believe that God is true and every man be called a liar. That's what the Bible said. Let God be true and every man a liar. So that I was going to start to believe God above what my circumstances said because of the, what he purchased for me on the cross. On August 1st, I began this journey of choosing to believe God. Every single morning, I woke up in pain, and I said, today is the day I'm getting healed. And I would try to get up out of my bed, which was extremely hard. I would try to lift my water bottle, which I couldn't do. And it, just to see, I would try to do different things to see if I was healed. That journey went till August 15th, where the Lord told me to get up and go running, and he was going to heal me. And I thought, I can't walk. How am I going to run? But I had chosen, I had made agreement with the word of God and who he is and what he's promised, what he's purchased. And I got up, I put my sneakers on, I hobbled to the streets of New York, and I started hobbling down the street. It could not be called a run because it did not look like a run. <laughs> I ran for less than 100 yards or hobbled, whatever you want to call it, and as I'm crying because of the pain, I said, Lord, you said if I ran, you would heal me, and in a moment, all the pain traveled from my feet up through my shoulders and out my body, and I was 100% healed in a moment. I ran a mile and then testified. I stopped every person on the street. I jumped into a UPS truck while it was moving. And, and you know what happened? That man, and I've told this story so many times, but that man said, what are you doing? He was uh, scared, obviously. It's New York. I'm jumping into their truck. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, God just healed me. I was in a wheelchair. And he's healer, he's alive, he's real, and he burst into tears. And he said, this morning, I'm a backslidden Christian, and this morning I said, God, if you're real, you have to show me a sign today, today. And he said, and here you are jumping into my UPS truck. And I just said, great, jumped out and kept running because I was so ecstatic. But guys, this, this is not just for some that have enough faith to believe it. This is what he purchased for us. This is the truth. And the invitation is out for all of us to say, believe, believe for what I purchased for. Don't minimize it. Make it great. Let it be burst out of its boxes to believe so that signs and wonders can be released in the earth because if we're not agreeing with it for our lives how will we agree for it for anyone else if we can't believe it for ourselves how can I believe it for anyone else I can't we must begin to believe what he purchased for us that was it he made a way and now we get to rule and reign in this life with him. Do you know when Jesus was on the earth, he was preaching the gospel? It says it all throughout scripture. He hadn't died yet. What gospel was he preaching? Right? When we talk about the gospel, we talked about Jesus dying as the, you know, the, the, the high point of it all. But it says constantly, Jesus went around preaching the good news. What was he preaching? Yes, 
star student up here. <laughs> he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Do you know what scripture that was? Well, it was in Matthew, but I'm saying he, he was fulfilling a prophecy. Isaiah 61. He stood up, and this is the gospel. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce release to the captives. Okay, and listen to this. Recovery of sight to the blind to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by calamity, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the free favors of God profusely abound. This was the gospel that Jesus was preaching. He went out to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Think about this for a second, guys. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of our God. In these two kingdoms, there are two totally separate rules. There's two totally set of laws, different. Jesus came to announce a new king had arrived who was actually always the king and his kingdom was being established on the earth and the old kingdom was being kicked out. <laughs> the old kingdom was being torn down, demolished. The kingdom of captivity and sin and bondage and oppression that's what they were living under spiritually. And Jesus arrives on the scene and he says, I have good news. There is another king, I am he, and I am establishing this kingdom, which is a kingdom where the blind receive sight, the deaf begin to hear, the lame begin to walk, and the oppressed go free. And we all get to receive the favors of God, the abundant favor of God. That's what he was implementing in the earth. So why do you think, I mean, the disciples walked with him for three years, hearing him preach the gospel of this kingdom. So when he died and they realized that that was the moment to change all of history and all of time, no wonder they started to heal the sick and command blind eyes to be opened. Because that was the kingdom they heard Jesus preaching about. They saw him do it. They saw him implementing it. Guys, this has been, that's what's been purchased for us. That's what we're walking into. Luke 4, 38. Jesus got up. He left the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever. This is the, the beginning stages of his ministry. He rebukes the fever, and it left her, and she immediately got up and started waiting on them. While the sun was setting, all those who then, who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him. Laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. 
But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. When the day came, Jesus left. He went to the secluded place. The crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Do you see how much hunger, thirst, longing? He shows up on the scene. He's implementing a new kingdom. People who are sick are being healed. He tries to go off by himself, and the crowds are pressing in, saying, don't leave us. Don't go away. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. That is why he came, guys. That is why he came, not only to die on the cross. He was came, he came to preach the good news was that captives would be free, the oppressed would be liberated, that he was going to give the oil of joy and gladness for those who mourned. He was changing everything. This is why he came, and there's the invitation for us to come into it, for us to walk in the fullness of this power. This is the resurrection power, not just for when we die and rise. It's resurrection power today in our lives to affect the whole world. We only need to agree with it because it's already done. That's when he said on the cross, it is finished. I have made the way clear. I have done all that needs to be done, and the curse is now broken. Now come to me, (laughs) all of you, and agree with me, and then go out and preach the gospel of this kingdom, that the blind receive sight, the deaf hear. He has not stopped healing in our day. This is the time of the supernatural, guys. So then when we gather, we are exuberant because we realize what he purchased for us. I want to hit on one last thing. Luke 7. In Luke 7, we find a Pharisee asking Jesus to come dine with him at their house. Luke 7. Seven, uh, let's see here, I believe it is 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dine with him. So the Pharisees were those that held to tradition, that did not walk in the power of God. They had exchanged real life with God for a set of rules, sadly. And so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dine with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. She was an especially wicked sinner, is what the Amplified says. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought brought an alabaster flask of ointment, which was perfume, and standing behind him, picture this, So a religious person (laughs) caught in tradition, not knowing really who God is or walking in the power of it, Jesus goes to eat with them. And this woman walks in. She finds out that Jesus is there and being full of sin, shame, 
known throughout the city for her sin, she comes in with a, a, a flask of perfume that was extremely expensive, standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So she's bowed down low, crying at the feet of Jesus. And she wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet affectionately and anointed them with perfume. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would surely know what kind of woman this is who is touching him. So again, all they could see was sin. All they lived in was rules. For she is a notorious sinner, an outcast, devoted to sin. And Jesus, he knew what they were thinking. And he said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, teacher, say it. And he, uh, Jesus gives a parable. A certain lender of money had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. 50. They had no means of paying. He freely forgave them both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I take it for whom he forgave and canceled more. And Jesus said to him, you have decided correctly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I came into your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, from the moment I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with cheap, ordinary oil, but she has anointed my feet with costly, rare perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, though they are many, are forgiven her because she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little love, loves little. And he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And to those that were at the table, he began to say, and they began to say, who is this who even forgives sins? Guys, he who's forgiven much loves much. But the fact is, <laughs> we have all sinned much. It's really just a point of revelation of our sin. It really is. It's a point of revelation because if you think, well, I'm not as bad as a sinner as that one, that's the greater sin. That's self-righteousness, that's pride, that's arrogance. The only reason that woman did a greater act was because she had revelation of the greatness of her sin. And now it helped that all the culture around her was telling her how great a sinner she was. And the Pharisee, Jesus was saying, do you think Jesus was saying that Pharisee had no sin? By no, Yeah, not even close. The revelation of that Pharisee's sin, he didn't have any. He thought he was perfect. He thought he was following the law well. If he had had revelation of his sin, he would have bowed down low and given it all. Guys, this is, this is the place of extravagance. The beauty of this gospel is that we realize how much we are undeserving. I realize how crappy a person I am. How sinful I am. The only reason I, I worship 
as extravagantly or give my life as extravagantly as I do is because I have revelation of the depth of my sin, which gives me revelation of the depth of his love. You will only know his love to the depth that you understand your sin and you admit that you're a sinner and that we have nothing to bring. When we acknowledge the depth of our sin, that we cannot do it apart from him, then we will understand the depth of his love for us. And that is available for any in this room today. This is the beauty of the gospel. If you lack devotion in your life to God, if you lack a desire to give him everything, the root of that is that you lack revelation of the depth of your sin and that's a hard thing to say but it really is the root of it when we realize the depth of our sin and how inadequate we are and how crappy we are as individuals then we will say oh god you can have it all you purchased new life for me i did not deserve it I did not deserve it, and so I will worship you extravagantly. It does not matter what else is happening in the room. I will pour my life out. I will pour my worship out. uh, Guys, within this room, practically speaking, I'm going to dial it down for you. Not that we're just looking for outward things, but an inward, just like this woman, inwardly, she was so moved by the Savior, the perfect one, that she did not care what she looked like. She came in, she bowed low, and she poured it out. She wasn't watching what everyone else was saying. She wasn't paying attention to what the Pharisees were saying. She came in with extravagant worship. Are we in that same place Not only here as we gather, which I would hope that as we gather as a family, that we would come extravagantly withholding nothing. Truly, no matter what that looks like, if that's you jumping up and down or flat on your face or crying or raising your hands or dancing around, he is worthy and we will only worship him to that measure when we have revelation of the depth of our sin and what he has purchased for us. In our lives, outside of this building, as we go out, Are we living lives of devotion to God? Because if we aren't, the root cause is that we don't understand the depth of our sin and we haven't really grasped this kingdom that he's come to implement in and through us. Guys, there's invitation for it today. What in your life doesn't match up to it? That's the question for each one of us. No one in this room is perfect. <laughs> I think we, we all gladly say, yes, we are a bunch of like wackos, weirdos, happy ones. Yeah. We're not perfect. So what in our lives does not match up to this message? Because he purchased. That's what Jesus died for so that our lives could match up to it. 
so that we could walk in that fullness, so that we could live in this way. That's what he died for. Let's not make small or belittle the blood of Jesus. He paid a high price. So what in your life doesn't match up to it? Do you live in depression? Do you live with constant anxiety? I say those two things all the time because so many in our culture today take medication for depression and take medication for anxiety. And sure, there's times. I'm not against medication. What I am saying is that Jesus purchased fullness of life, that we don't have to come into agreement with it anymore. He truly can heal, and he truly can set us free. Are we exalting him in our lives, or are we exalting what the world says? Are we exalting the the Christ crucified, risen again? Or are we exalting our sickness, our depravity, our sin, and saying it's too much for God? Guys, Nothing in our life is too much for God. If you want freedom today, he wants to give it to you. The chains have been broken. So what in your life does not match up? Is there sickness, chronic illness, constant stress? (laughs) That's not the fullness. Constant stress is not the fullness. It's not what he purchased for us. Constant loneliness It's not what he purchased for us. Self-righteousness. Are we living in a place of saying, well, I'm good enough on my own. I don't have that much sin, so I'm pretty good. That's self-righteousness, self-preservation. Are we walking in signs and wonders? I'm not. I want to be. I want the fullness in that area, and I'm ready at this point in my life and at this point in history, I'm ready to say, he did it. I'm going to lay hands on the sick and see them be healed. I'm living for another kingdom, and the invitation is for all of us to come into it. Are we walking in signs and wonders? If you're not, something is missing because he demonstrated it for us he purchased it for us and i said the door's wide open walk in it this is the kingdom are we living in the power of the holy spirit so i want uh, we're just going to give time for response today i was just feeling this i want our leadership team to come up but we want to give time for response today that if you were sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, crap. Sorry for my language. I don't know if that's offensive to anybody. I don't think so. I know people in here pretty well. We're like very little religious. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. 